We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports organizations. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Aziza Brown. She's the founder and CEO of esports organization Dynamic Focus. The NY-based grassroots organization features fighting games as well as content creators. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So to start, tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played and how did you kind of transition to the business side? Okay. So um, the, the first, first, like, so my first experience with video games was the Atari because I'm that old. And um, basically my, my older cousin sat me in front of Dungeons and Dragons and it confused the hell out of me because I'm four years old and trying to figure out um, a complex RPG on with uh, 8-bit graphics. Um, but after a while, we started like, you know, we played together, played tanks. That was another thing that we played. And uh, I started transitioning to um, playing um, arcade games while, you know, my parents are like going for pizza or going for, you know, doing laundry and stuff like that. I learned how to do laundry at eight years old because I wanted to save some quarters so I can play the commander machine while I was doing laundry. So I was like that into gaming already. I got uh, SNES, S, S, oh, sorry, not the SNES, the NES, and uh, um, started playing Mario with my family, Duck Hunt, and I transitioned to my favorite game, which is uh, Legend of Zelda, and. Uh, like repeatedly beat that. Um, I even do speed runs of uh of the the Super Nintendo version, Link to the Past. Um. So how I started transitioning to fighting games is because, um, New York always had this big arcade culture. So like, I would go from arcade to arcade, and play, and uh, not only just the arcades, but um, bodegas and pizza shops had like different arcade machines all over the place so that's where my fighting game um love came from was actually just going door to door to my local area and then sometimes to arcades because i went to school in manhattan and uh then um 
now the transitioning to the professional part, which was when the arcade era died, um, most, uh, most of the gamers started to actually congregate at bars. And one of the biggest ones in New York City was MASHFest. And I went to MASHFest with my best friend. We would bring our sticks from our jobs and meet there for some drinks, some food, and just playing games. And from then on, I learned about the fighting game scene. I, I knew about it from like Twitch or YouTube or anything like that. But I didn't know how to actually go to majors. And that's when I actually started to learn how to go to majors. And I became the project manager of another esports team, Play All Gaming. And then I separated. And I formed my own thing, Dynamic Focus. And here I am today, um, six years in the making. Uh, Amazing. Well, it definitely sounds like you've been kind of gaming since the beginning. I remember, you know, playing all those games in the arcade. So it's awesome to see where it's kind of gone from there. Tell us a little bit about the organization, what's your role within and, you know, kind of what's your day-to-day like? What are some of the games you compete in? Okay. So I used to compete in Guilty Gear and I haven't really went into the scene like that because of the fact that um, the time when I actually transitioned to um, actually doing this professionally, the organizing professionally, I was at a full, I'm at a full-time job, um, as an engineer. So there's not a much time to actually sit down there and practice and, and be up to stuff to actually compete like I should. But, um, day-to-day functions of dynamic focus, basically, um, figuring out the schedule of everybody, um, knowing when, Uh, majors or different events are happening, organizing everyone to actually appear, finding out what they need, what's necessary for them to travel, what's necessary to actually register, um, what games they're playing, what games are actually coming out that everybody else probably wants to experience. Um, uh, We're on Discord almost every single day discussing all these matters, discussing their um, their goals, their action plans for later on. Um, we double check different sides of the scene for the content creators to see what activations are out there for them to actually be involved with, what charities that we can be involved with, what actual events that we can actually do. Um, some of my players are TOs, so we build decks for them so that when they're ready to uh, look for sponsorship, they already have their media decks um, uh, formulated and everything like that. Um, there's so much to do. The, the, the gears are always grinding on our team to, you know, grow it beyond uh, just grassroots. And uh, that's basically what I do every single day is um, really just moving. Amazing. So what are some of the games that you know you compete in and kind of that you look at? And what are some of the things you look at when you're potentially signing players? So I'm mostly into fighting games and mostly into um, things, but I usually go to local scenes. So like um, when King of Fighters came about, I looked at a local scene for King of Fighters um, 15 
Um, uh, my local area has many tournaments happening in that area. Um, I also look at people who are on stream and they're, they're commentating because commentators need um, a way to actually um, find places to cast, you know? Um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the multiverses right now. I have somebody who's TOing uh, multiverses. I, Street Fighter Six was another thing. Everybody got beta codes. Everyone was streaming. Everybody was uh, creating content and loving it. It's um, basically a combination of like just going out to the local scene and looking at people who are pretty much passionate and they just need some umph to actually move to the next step and also some guidance when it comes to um, documentation and understanding contracts and understanding all these other things that come with esports, the, 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 the business side of esports. Um, oh, um, I didn't say what games you competed. So it's Street Fighter Tekken, Guilty Gear, King of Fighters, um, now Multiverses, and uh, there are, uh, there's a Pokken, and we were into Battle for the Grid, um, the Power Rangers game for a while. Um, we're going back to Darkstalkers because Darkstalkers is now part of uh, the Capcom fighting collaboration thing. So, yeah. Amazing. So what are your kind of thoughts on what's going on with Smash and with the Panda Cup and maybe how that impacts the whole fighting scene? Okay, so I love what Panda's actually doing because what Panda has the ability to do is to create a league for Smash, something that hasn't been around, like, Smash has been around, sorry, but leagues for Smash has not been around. Like, there hasn't been an organized circuit that more and more players can actually be seen. Um, there's more spaces for uh, non-endemic brands to actually come in, like um, DoorDash. Um, was Papa John's part of it? I I don't remember. Panda Express and Panda wonderful Express. pistachios. Yeah, that, that those, right. Yeah. Panda Cup, Panda Express. It seems like a perfect marriage. It was a it was a perfect marriage. Two pandas together again. I don't know. <laughs> but um yeah, it's just that organization happening and also um highlighting the actual like grassroots um smash scene and the the fighting game scene where um, it does need some kind of um, doorway to, to get more brands to understand that this is a sustainable space because a lot of, um, a lot of people who play smash have been in the, the fighting game scene for years. Like players stay in that scene for a while. It's not like they retire for, you know, at the ages of like 25. So um, understanding that the space is, that it can just grow because there's so much time to actually be in the space. I think that's a, a amazing thing. Definitely. So what are some benefits for the organization of having content creators in addition to competitive players? So the best thing about having content creators on the team is that there's more chances for people to actually, um, talk about the brand you know um being able to um have 
just people that create content and create a kind of like financial foundation when it comes to uh, marketing on your team is very important because there's like just traveling players back and forth. That's not going to build any kind of equity in the space unless your players are actually communicating to beyond the scene or if they're winning every time they're winning every time yeah if they're winning every time that's fine but if there's nobody to tell you that you won how would how would that benefit you you know what i'm saying definitely so yeah I, i definitely see how there is that benefit of having this additional constant hey this is what we're doing check out our team check out our sponsors check out you know what our players are doing yeah just uh, having somebody that's constantly talking and constantly moving um, our voice and amplifying on it, that's very beneficial for any type of esports team. And also having someone with that mindset with your players helps your players actually communicate that about their wins and about who they are and also help them with um, algorithms and stuff like that On um, when it comes to the the content side and pushing that content out. Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely have some people here who have talked about the metrics and SEO and kind of the importance of that. So what are some typical issues encountered when operating an esports team? You know, what are some pitfalls to look out for? Um, it is the, the finance base of the, the esports uh, organization. Like, a lot of people come into this um, not understanding the ecosystem that um, esports is. Like they say, oh, if we win a lot of stuff, then we will somehow get money instead of really actually creating um, a brand that can elevate and move content and move some kind of product so that you have the economic backing to keep on moving in the space. And not depend because the the thing is that you shouldn't be depending on sponsorship you should be actually building your economic system for your for east for your esports organization first then start thinking about sponsorship because that's when you're able to actually move brands when you actually understand how to move yourself um as i said before um not a people not a lot of people here are invested into space they just want to come in and they think quick money that's not the truth the truth of the matter is is that you have to do a lot of building a lot of movement and a lot of um strategic planning you know because you're going to have a travel when you don't have um a sponsorship you're going to have a travel to different locations and you have to be seen you know so making sure that you have your equity set up first, making sure that you have a marketing background or any kind of background to to move product. And then you can start looking at moving different brands within your space because now you can actually do that, create a return for those brands and pretty much um, make volume on that, you know? Interesting. I really think that's an interesting point that you bring up where some people are like, oh, we're going to build this thing. We're going to get sponsors. It's like, no, you need to build something that's sponsorable. That's something that's there. Not It doesn't kind of work the other way. It's not the chicken before the egg. It's like you need to build something that other brands, other reputable companies want to get behind and support. You can't just start 
and expect them to just get on board from the beginning. Yes. Which is a policy of a lot of brands. And uh, you've probably seen it before, you know? Yeah, no, they, they've obviously want to make sure that whatever they're spending and how they're spending it is done efficiently and properly. And it's one of those things where it's great what you can tell me what you can do, but I want to see what you're doing and, you know, kind of see it sustained over, you know, longer than a couple months, really. Yeah, sure. So what else is, you know, you and Dynamic Focus working on? I know you host some events and tournaments. What else are you doing in the space? Um, So... Right now, I'm working with Brooklyn, and we're doing um, a thing called Press Play Brunch. Um, so we're um, having gamer-themed brunches. Um, the one that's coming up on the 16th is pretty much like, you know, a dull day. Um, the one that's coming up near Halloween, we're definitely going to have, like, spooky competitions and stuff like that for, for prizes, maybe for some food or stuff like that. Um, we're working on another podcast um with the team and we're going to be using uh another service it's it's still in the works for that um currently most of our team is they're doing their own tournaments like um pulses in uh fairfax um at the cave uh rome is doing regime royale um acoustics is always at brooklyn doing something i know that he's doing a multiverses tournament um currently and uh for me i'm i'm still working on the queen of the hill series which i'm an investor in um the queen of the hill series is a tournament series to elevate and to amplify women non-binary and other marginalized other marginalized genders in the community to kind of show that they do exist and you know representation matters. So the more we amplify that we exist, the more likely we build more, um, we bring in more um, people who are not common in our, um, in our, uh, in esports to light and they're finding places to practice, grow and build themselves and start to communicate and learn about, um, more about gaming because a lot of us are gamers we're just in the closet about it and because we don't know that our spaces exist right now you know so that's another thing definitely well definitely sounds like you're working on some amazing stuff so everyone if you're in the area make sure to check those brunches out and so what advice do you have for anyone that are trying to work in you know the esports and video game space um what advice my biggest advice is to Learn about your space before you come into this. Before you come into esports, like learn about the rules, regulations, the the developers. Learn about them and learn about how to move amongst it. And I know that's not the easiest thing to do, because uh, I mean, when I started, um, when I started going into esports, I didn't have my own team until four years into it, you know, I literally looked and followed and communicated and talked to the streamers, talked to the production manager, talked to the tournament organizers, understand where our pitfalls are, where the strengths are and move accordingly to that understanding how um, my community moves, 
um, building a community on top of that, um, understanding other spaces where we can actually um, meet other people who are probably into this. Like, you know, I've talked to my, in the collegiate spaces uh, about um, fighting games and how um, they could be integrated into a collegiate product program. Like, there's so much um, advice I can give to people about anything that you want to do, but the biggest thing that I would say is to actually be educated in how this space works before you actually go into it so you understand um, you understand a bracket because that's really important because you could have a team member that literally um, gets um, gets spoiled out of their, their, their tournament run because somebody made a mistake in the bracket. And if you understand it, you can defend them, you know, stuff like these things that are just like tiny, intricate things about the esports space, you should know, you know, before you actually go into it. Definitely. I think that's a really important, you know, point that you bring up about how, you know, especially these more, you know, niche kind of areas, you can't just go in it not knowing things, not knowing the lay of the land because you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be able to navigate it properly. And like you said, you're not going to kind of know where you fit into it. Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite part about working in the esports and gaming space? My favorite part about the esports and gaming space is the friends I've met along the way. Uh, it's so anime, but at the same time, it's it's such a um, amazing thing. Like meeting the the people that are have a common interest with you are it's amazing to be able to go and talk to another adult that loves gaming, loves seeing co- competition, likes to compete, um, talking amongst other people to. Um, share different experiences like dining and other things like that. Like um, one of one also another thing that I love doing is showing my players new experiences. Like going to um, a a new restaurant and seeing the the, the expressions or what they they uh, how they like and experience of new things and going to new places and and talking amongst them and just um, also um, seeing how my players have grown amongst years. Like I have players that did not have jobs, um, went to college. Um, They now have successful careers in what they want to do. Um, And some of them are coming back um, to the space after doing the things that they, they really want to do. Like, um, one of my players, Gur, um, he was, everybody asked me where he was. I'm like, he went to school and he got his certifications for IT and now he's working for the NBA, not NBA, sorry, the NFL actually. So it's amazing to see, also see the development of people because that's the one big thing about esports. You're investing in people, you're investing in their growth and seeing them grow is actually Amazing. A hundred percent. I definitely see exactly where you're coming from. And that's, you know, an amazing point. So what does the future hold for dynamic focus? Where are you guys going from here? Um, 
hopefully to the moon. Joking. But at the same time, um, I see myself growing more and more so that I'm more of a contention when it comes to different uh, brand deals and stuff like that. Um, we're since we're on the the pretty much the the hiatus of actually big uh, big travel because the seasons are over um we're gathering ourselves doing more content um doing activations um there's gonna as i said there's gonna be other podcasts and other like kind of a game show podcast that we're actually working out with other venues and everything like that to pretty much show the personality of the team um, as Street Fighter Six, um, Tekken Eight, and Project L are coming around around the way, we're just building equity to make sure that they're able to travel to these other places. Of course, so I'm going to be um helping them with international travel next month. Um, of getting making sure their paperwork is straightened out, and uh, um, right now I don't have a five year plan, but uh construct another five-year plan when until i see the other games and how they actually fix and um how they are how they're building their leagues so that i have more gist of what's going on you know as we grow definitely well definitely sounds like you guys are working on some amazing stuff so we're excited to see where that all goes so i like to try to end each show with my three questions so what's your favorite game to watch Favorite game to watch is definitely KOF 15. Um, I have always been a uh, uh, just a fan of KOF. Um, ever since I went to um, and saw my family in Panama, and they and I, they said, "Do you like playing fighting games?" I like I like playing Street Fighter, and they said, "No, you play KOF now." And I'm like, "What do you mean by that?" And they only had KOF machines <laughs> in Panama. Like the majority was KOF, so I had to learn. How to play that and ever since then i've been a big fan of king of fighters amazing so what's your favorite game to play um so my favorite game to play currently is actually dj max um uh, fever v uh the computer game because now i have a steam deck and i just connected it really and i'm just like now playing it all over the place like and now have a portable uh, DJ Max, um, and and it's there to help me with strengthening my fingers so I can go back to playing fighting games more often. And I've just been, um, I've been a rhythm gamer for a very long time, and I'm glad that I can play my rhythm games again. So, yeah. Amazing. So who's your favorite video game character? Uh, it's going to be Link. Um, I am a big Zelda head. I collect Zelda stuff. I walk around with Ocarina um, of Time is probably my favorite like video yeah. game. Ocarina of Time is something I just like. I will randomly sit down there. And I have a Switch. I will go and turn on um uh Link to the Past because Link to the Past is actually actually really my favorite. Um, and I just do straight runs of that um all the time. So like. Um, just randomly, just wake up and say, you know, let's just play Link to the Past right now. I, um, even though I have to finish, like, do another run of Breath of the Wild, I'm just like, nah, Ocarina of Time, <laughs> not Ocarina of Time, <laughs> a Link to the Past. Amazing. Well, that's 
definitely some great ones. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell me about where they can connect with you and the team. Okay, you can connect with me on Twitter at Z-I-Z-I-Down. I'm always um, um, talking about the industry, talking about um, different things that the team is doing. And also I just, you know, just post whatever silly thing that's on my mind at that time. Um, The team, you can follow them at uh, Dynamic Focus, Dynamic with a K. Uh, focus no- normally, and just um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, um, Twitch, and all other social medias available. So amazing! Well, everyone, make sure to go check out what they're working on, and if you're in the area, check out some of their events. And thanks everybody again for tuning in, and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. Check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.